Casanova Podcast with me, your host, Troy Francis. I hope you've had a great week. I hope you are having a relaxing weekend and I hope that you are ready to hear some more fantastic game nuggets and wisdom all wrapped up in a little bow and presented to you by myself, Troy Francis. So to kick off, a couple of plugs, a couple of updates on the week. Um, check out the website, go to realtroyfrancis.com. I'm updating the content every day there now, so you'll see a lot more content coming through. And I'm really trying to vary what I put up there. So I'm interspersing sort of bread and butter, day game advice, or rather game advice, articles if you like, along with uh, more personal type things really, so memoir, um, opinion pieces, and increasingly as well, probably bits that go outside of game also, because while game is my major preoccupation, and it's certainly, absolutely for you guys, the reason that I'm creating content, I've created the site, you know, there's also other things that I'm interested in as well that I think fit into if not a similar space, you know, they're kind of aligned with game, if you like. So, you know, I've done an article, I think it was, maybe it was last week, where I wrote about office politics and backstabbing and Machiavellianism in the office. Now, you know, the reality is <clears throat> a lot of guys, um, you know, they come to the manosphere, they check out different men's websites and stuff, and all of these men's websites are saying, hey man, you know, you need to be a digital nomad, you need to be sitting on the beach, uh, running your online business, you know, you're self-employed and everything else. And of course, that's absolutely true. That is where, you know, you want to get to ideally. I mean, you don't want to be working for the man in a corporate job, really. That's not, in the long term, that's not going to, you know, make your fortune and it's not, that's probably not going to make you very happy. But the fact is that a lot of us, and I include myself in this, you know, we are still within that sphere and for whatever reason for a period of time perhaps we need to stay you know working that that particular job working for that boss that company so you know it's important that we understand the challenges that we face and so hopefully that particular post and others that i'm working on in a similar vein will help with that the red pill view of the office if you like um I think there's a lot to be learned there. For what it's worth, I also think that the modern workplace is really interesting in the sense that, you know, it's a real illustration, if you like, of the, the Machiavellian side of human nature. It's a real illustration of um, a red pill view of the world and human behavior, if you like. So loads of interesting stuff there. And then just more generally, I'll try to keep you updated on you know what I'm doing, not in the sense of it being a personal blog where I'm just talking about my life all the time, but more because hopefully some of the things I've experienced will give you insights and will give you information on you know how best to handle certain situations yourself. So for example, this weekend has been a big night game weekend for me. You know, I've been going out, I went out on Friday night, I went out last night and did night game and met various girls and so on and so I've written up about those but I've written them up with 
a point in mind. So the most recent piece that I wrote was about a trip to Torture Garden again last night where I met a girl, a very nice Hungarian girl, and I really wanted to write something about the dichotomy between good girls and bad girls because a lot of guys still have this idea that there is such a thing as a good girl who is distinct from the bad slutty girls who will put out on the first night and everything else. And you know, there's a lot of moralizing about this in the, on the internet, there's a lot of guys, you know, who on the one hand, they really begrudge those kind of so-called easy, slutty girls, but on the other hand, of course, you know, they're looking for sex. And so it kind of doesn't really add up in a way. And, but also more importantly than that, what people really need to realize is that these two sets of girls are just the same girls. There is no distinction between, you know, these, these mythical bad girls and the vaginal pure good girls. Actually, both of those girls exist within the same person. And so when I write about Liliana, who is the Hungarian lady that I met last night, I hopefully illustrate that for you by describing her and describing the interaction that we had. So I hope all of that is, is really helpful. Um, please continue to comment and to let me know what you think of the content because, you know, at the end of the day, I am creating it for you and I want it to be useful. I want it to help you to change your life in a positive way in terms of your you know, relationships with women and your relationships at work and in business. So any feedback from you guys is absolutely welcomed because it just helps me to create better, more useful content. Um, of course, please also go to Amazon and check out The Seven Laws of Seduction if you don't already have it. It's my book about game. Uh, still selling lots and lots of copies on a daily basis. Although my new game book is in the works and should be out very soon, but um, do click on Amazon and look for Seven Laws of Seduction by Troy Francis when you can. That will give you a really good grounding in my approach to game, my philosophy of game, uh, some of the successes that I've had through game and uh, some of the failures as well. And it will give you a really good insight into how I believe the game should be played. So... With all of that being said, let's go into the topic for today. And today, I'm going to keep it fairly brief. I want to keep these under half an hour anyway. And I think sometimes, you know, there's a tendency for me to talk on and on. And that's not always helpful because I think for you guys, you know, you want to have something you can listen to in a fairly short burst. And hopefully it's actionable and hopefully it gives you some good ideas for your game. So... With that in mind, today I want to talk about night game because I've been doing well. I've been doing. I've done a couple of nights of night game on the bounce. I was thinking about going out tonight as well and doing a third. I, I'm probably not. I've got to go and meet this Hungarian girl anyway because she is leaving London tomorrow morning. So there's a you know there's there's an op, there's a final opportunity to 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 meet up with her. I mean, I could go out after that, depending on what happens, but um, I think I probably won't, because the truth is, and this is the first point, I suppose, about night game, is it's bloody tiring, or it's certainly bloody tiring if you are over the age of about 35, I suppose. Um, and I, I'm certainly over that age. 
unfortunately. And so night games really become less and less a part of my repertoire over you know the last the last few years. And I mean my journey in night game, if you like, I I loved nightclubs. I absolutely loved the clubbing scene. I love electronic music, which I've loved for many, many years. I mean, when I was, um, you know, a young kid, the house explosion was really first starting in Great Britain and all of this amazing music um, was coming out. And when I was growing up, you know, I, I would listen to some of that. It was starting to seep through onto the radio. Of course, there was no internet then, but, you know, it was starting to break through into the mainstream and you could hear this kind of music. And the whole thing about clubs fascinated me. They seemed to be these mythical kind of places. I was, you know, kind of slightly intimidating, but also incredibly, incredibly fascinating, incredibly interesting. And... You know, really, I couldn't wait to to go to one, and so I did. And the very first club I went to was in a place called Guildford, which is in Surrey. It's a nice town, quite a small town, about forty well, about fifty miles outside London, probably. So a lot of people live there, and then they'll commute into London to work. So the first nightclub I went to was Cinderella's when I was about 17 or 18. And I'd like to say that it was um, an amazing occasion, but it wasn't really, it was a bit pathetic. <laughs> In the sense that I went on my own, I hung around on my own. I was at the bar and a girl got talking to me at the bar or a woman got talking to me at the bar, an, an older woman. Um, I couldn't really say now how old she was, but she was certainly older than I was at the time. And we got, we got talking and <clears throat> either she bought me a drink or I said I was going to buy her a drink. I can't remember exactly what, but there was some mention of a drink being bought. And then I licked it out of the club and um, it wasn't really because I was in, so enormously intimidated by this woman as much as that um, I had to go anyway because I had to get the last train home, which is all a bit sad and, um, you know, teenage and pathetic, but I had to get the last train home and I kind of didn't really know what I was doing, you know, with this woman, what was I, what, you know, what was I going to do next, even if I did buy the drink, which I, of course, at the time thought was um, the, the golden key to game, I suppose, if I thought about anything. Um, so I did, I, I did a runner and that was it. I never saw her again. But after that, I went back to that venue a few times. Um, and then I started to go to clubs in London quite frequently. And then I moved to Manchester when I went to university. So for those who live in England, um, you will know about Manchester. Even if you don't, you probably know about Manchester United, which is obviously the world-famous football club. But the other thing about Manchester is it was and is incredibly renowned in the UK as a centre for music. Uh, the Smiths, New Order, Take That, um, who else? Uh, loads of other people came out of Manchester. And it's also renowned as a nightlife place. So the famous Hacienda nightclub uh, was there for a long time until it closed in the 90s. 
I actually worked there very briefly as a barman, which is uh, dates me a little bit, but is also quite cool. And yeah, I mean, I went to Manchester as an 18 year old and it, it was pretty off the hook really, because there was something happening every night. It's also a massive student uh, place. There's four universities there, I think. Um, yeah, just crazy, crazy, uh, massive gay community there as well which I appreciate, you know, people aren't necessarily interested in who are listening to this show, but at the time, I think in Cre- you know, certainly even today, that also attracted a lot of straight girls because there's a lot of straight girls who would like to go to those venues and be, you know, fag hags, hang around with the gay guys. Uh, and so there were opportunities there. There were indie clubs that played things like The Smiths and, uh, you know, like guitar music. There were techno clubs, there were house clubs, there were bars, the whole the whole sort of cafe bar explosion, if you like, was starting at that time. So all these new bars were opening. It was just a very vibrant, incredibly exciting place at that time. And I was going out there, but I was also still going out in London. I was getting the train down to London every week or so and going to clubs uh, back down in London as well. So, you know, and that really dominated my life. Uh, for a good many years and that was really when I started to get into some quite deep waters with things like uh, alcohol and to some extent other substances as well. Now I'll talk about that probably in another episode of the podcast but I've certainly written about this before and referred to the fact you know I don't drink anymore, I certainly don't do any other substances and that was really because it all became a bit of a car crash in the end when I was in my 20s, um, just just really overdoing it and, you know, getting into sort of dodgy situations, getting into trouble. You know, I'm just one of those people with that kind of system that I'm not really wired, you know, to, to, to drink alcohol or to do drugs. It just, you know, I, I have a very addictive nature and it doesn't work out for me. So... I put, I put all of that down and moved away from that, but I never stopped going to clubs. And, you know, some people might say I should have done, but I, I never did because for a start, I really like the music, which I think really helps. And secondly, I really like the girls. Um, and of course, clubs are places to go where there's loads and loads of girls. So <clears throat> with all of that in mind, I suppose one thing to say actually on that is that Basically, since the age of about 27 onwards, all of my gained history, really, because I was—I had a girlfriend, actually, when I was still drinking and everything, but it was only really after I stopped that I started to get any good consistently with getting girls. And the reason for that was, it's weird, isn't it? Because people think it's the other way around. They think Dutch courage, they think go out, have a few drinks, meet girls, etc. But for me, because of the state of intoxication I was getting into, it just didn't really work out very well because, you know, the girl is, isn't going to go for you if you're kind of a dribbling wreck, uh, you know, stumbling around the, the club. So it was ironically only really after I stopped drinking that I started to get good at pulling girls in clubs. And then I moved to London and I started to get into game properly, uh, started to learn about different techniques and it kind of all went from there really. And, um, yeah, so 
I think what I really wanted to emphasize in today's episode though is the sort of mental attitude that you need to be good in clubs and in night game. And I think it is different to that which is used in day game. What I was going to say though is really when you think about it, the majority of my night game experience has been without alcohol. So take from that what you will. Um, for one thing, I don't think you need to drink necessarily when you go out to do game. I'm not saying don't, I think some people do and it's absolutely fine, but you don't need to. And the other thing is, and I'm not saying this to blow my own trumpet, as it were, because hopefully I'll get someone else to blow my trumpet after the show, but um, it, it, it really improved my confidence. Because look, if you're going out stone cold sober into these environments where everyone else is pissed, and you're going and hitting old girls. I mean, it, it, you know, it takes some balls to do that, really. Now, I'm not saying that, as I say, to put myself forward as this, you know, kind of demigod or something. But I was forced to do that because of the circumstances. And I'm very glad that that happened because it, it massively, massively charged my, you know, confidence as a, as a man really having to do that. And I suppose after years and years and years, I mean, and even now, you know, I, when I don't go to clubs as regularly and, you know, I, when I go back into the club, I get back into my night game persona. And the night game persona is like a wolf. That's what you need to do. You need to develop a persona where you are like a wolf, where you are moving among the sheep in the crowd and you are ruthless and you are ready for action. And that's kind of how I become. I mean, I walk into a place where they're playing loud music and there's bright lights on, and I just, you know, it's like snap. And I change and I shift into that state. And it's almost involuntary for, for me now. But um, if you're new to this, then that's where you need to be thinking. That's where your mind needs to go. And now I go into the venue and I pretty much prowl around and you know I just go up and I talk to the girl and there's loads and loads of things that we could say about this and I think there's content to come down the line from me on this in terms of you know how you get that confidence together but one thing is realize that you're enough which is an old RSD concept you know just think I realize you're a man you are you have no severely challenging defects. You are, you are a decent guy. You are enough. You know, you have to get out of this idea that you need money. You need model looks. You need, uh, you know, you need to be 10 foot tall or any of that stuff. You are already enough to get with that girl. So you have to get into that mind state and then you have to approach and you have to look her in the eye, and you have to just be very straightforward. I mean, last night when I was there, I was basically going up and saying, hi, I couldn't help but notice you look very cute, or I couldn't help but notice you look very interesting. My name is John, what is yours? Shake hands. I see that you are French. I see that you are Lithuanian. I heard that in Lithuania, the girls are like this, blah, blah, blah. And 
chat like that and tease her and be challenging. Now, again, you know, it's not a numbers game, but it kind of is a numbers game at the same time, in the sense that, you know, there are a number of girls out there who are going to be warm to you. There are other girls who are going to be very, very much not warm. And then there are some girls in the middle. And it's in the middle, really, the game is played. But in a nightclub, you've got a load of opportunities. I mean, I think I probably did something like 20 opens last night or something like that, from which I got um, a pretty heavy makeout with one girl. And then I got um, a little bit of um, sexual in interaction with another girl, which is written up on my blog now. So go to, go to that to check it out. But, um, but yeah, and probably 18 blowouts or 18 kind of, it didn't really go anywhere encounters but you know i plowed through those numbers it doesn't take very long in a club because you're just going in there like a shotgun like bang 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 and you are going in confident you're going in direct you are going in wolf-like you know what you want you are there to find a girl you are there to isolate her you are there to have sex well not necessarily in the club but you know what i mean and you know, you're not going to put up your time wasters. So you are going to go through, you are going to play the numbers, you are going to talk to as many girls as you can, and you are going to identify those who are either yes girls who are up for it with you, and that's great, or you're going to identify maybe girls who are inclined towards you but might need a little bit more work. And that was really... I suppose what happened with this Hungarian girl last night because she was warm to me. You know, I went over and approached and we had a nice conversation and then I found out she was on her own so we stood and danced together for a while and I was very loose with it. You know, I, you know, I, I didn't force her in any way to stay with me or anything like that and I was quite prepared for her to walk away or you know I would have walked away or whatever and actually at one point she did walk away because she said to me you know I'm not one of these easy girls um you would be wasting your time if you spend all the evening with me so um I'm gonna go off to the bathroom now and maybe I'll see you later and I said you know I, I sort of made a token sort of thing of like oh don't worry about it you know whatever but in the end, um, she walked, you know, I, she went, went off to the bathroom, I said, fair enough. And I walked off and I was walking around looking at other prospects and so on. And then a bit later, we met by the bar, again, by coincidence. So she had um, gone off and then she didn't come back to me, but we met by coincidence and then we talked again. And this time we went upstairs and we, in the club, and we spent the rest of the, the evening together. Um, and various things happened, which were very were very nice so you can read about that on the website but my point is that was I suppose really a maybe girl because effectively she walked away and it was kind of luck in a sense that it, it, it came back on again because another guy could have started chatting to her and whatever but um what am I saying don't think it's over just because she shows a little bit of an initial resistance or she says it's not going to happen tonight or it's or anything like that you know if she is inclined towards you if she's warm towards you then it's your job to persist if she just sticks her finger up and tells you to fuck off then i wouldn't persist in that in, in instance because you're you know you're on a highway to nothing she's a no girl if she's a maybe girl then hang in there 
and persist. And remember, you are a wolf, you are there to get what you want, and you will do everything that you can in order to get there. And that's what I want to say about Night Game today. I hope that was helpful. I hope you enjoyed listening. Please do give me any comments on the show. If you go to Twitter or send me an email through the website realtroyfrancis.com and do remember to go to Amazon if you haven't already and get a copy of my Kindle ebook, The Seven Laws of Seduction, which will give you everything you need to know. Meet girls and have a very nice time with them. So on that note, I will leave it there. It's been lovely to speak to you. I hope you have a great week and we will speak again next week. Bye-bye.